Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to have souls that are consumed with longing for your word at all times, but particularly when we come to worship you as we have come this morning. Oh Lord, we pray that we would long to hear your voice this morning as we look at the pages of scripture and then we listen to your word explained. Oh Lord, we pray that you would touch our hearts and that we would know that we are in your presence and that we would go from here encouraged and spurred on to live more faithful, more godly lives than ever before as a result of hearing our Father's voice. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Well, we've returned this morning to our study of Genesis chapter 3, and I encourage you to have a Black Church Bible open before you as we look at this text together. And we've been working our way through this, and we've come to chapter 3, verse 7, which comes after the Lord has created the heavens and the earth in chapter 1 and 2, and then we see in chapter 3 that God has put the first humans, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden, and he has given them a command that they must not eat from a particular tree. But the serpent, Satan, has come along and he has begun to speak to Eve and he encourages her to doubt God's word and to eat of the fruit. And last time we saw that they did indeed eat of that fruit, that Eve took some and she gave some to her husband, as it says in verse 6, and they both ate it together. And now we see the consequences of their action of listening to the serpent and of taking that fruit. And the first thing that they do is they recognize that their eyes have been opened and they see the shame of their sin in the fact that they recognize their nakedness. We see that in verse 7. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. They realized that they had sinned against God. The idea of nakedness here, of course, is the the reason they're seeking to cover themselves with the fig leaves is because they recognize that other people are judging them. One person in particular, their spouse. So Eve is fearful of Adam judging her in her nakedness, and Adam is fearful of Eve judging him in his nakedness. But the nakedness also reflects the shame that they feel about their sin. Nakedness, of course, there's a physical nakedness, but nakedness is also a way, a metaphor, for describing the shame we feel about our sin. This is picked up in other parts of the scripture, particularly the prophet Ezekiel. He loves to use the image of nakedness as an indication of the shame of the godlessness of the Israelites. The shame that they have is like nakedness. And we speak even in our society, I felt like I was naked before someone. I felt vulnerable before someone. And that is when we feel that they are judging us for our actions. And so it's not surprising that as Adam and Eve feel their nakedness, they feel their shame, they feel that their sin is being judged by somebody else, that they try to cover it up. And they use fig leaves, it says, in verse 7 to do so. Verse 7 says, And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Adam and Eve, they want that shame that they're feeling over their sin. They want that judgment that they feel from one another to be removed. And the way that they do it is by getting busy with some fig leaves, sewing them together, and making coverings for themselves. There's an important lesson here for us this morning. 
There's many important lessons through Genesis 3, which is why I'm taking such a long time to work through it together. And there's an important lesson here, firstly, that sin does indeed bring shame and broken relationships with others. When we sin, it produces fear of man in our hearts as we fear that other people will look at us, see how wicked we are, and judge us as wicked people. And so when we sin, it does indeed bring fear of man. But we also learn here from the second part of this verse that humans love to cover up their sin. Humans love to cover up their sin. They love to hide their sin and usually in pathetic, hopeless ways. They usually love to cover up their sin in pathetic ways. And we see that with Adam and Eve. What do they cover their their shame with, their, their nakedness? It's with fig leaves. Now, I don't have a fig tree, and so I don't know too much about fig leaves, but apparently they're some of the biggest leaves that you can get, and sewing them together would probably be the, the, the best thing that you could do if you had a limited amount of time to quickly cover up yourself. Um, but they're a pathetic covering. Um, I'm sure you could still see a lot of their bodies, even when they put the fig leaves on. And I'm sure that they weren't particularly comfortable clothing to start wearing around, probably fairly itchy uh, to move around with that kind of clothing on. And, of course, the fig leaves wouldn't be very helpful in covering up the sin itself, the fact that you are shameful. Yes, it may give some covering to nakedness, and you may be a great seamstress and be able to put all these leaves together. Eve may have been very good at it. And she may have been able to cover herself from top to toe with leaves but it wouldn't do anything to cover over her sin. Adam still knew that she had done the wrong thing, and God knew that she had done the wrong thing. God certainly sees through the clothing that Adam and Eve hastily put together, as we'll see in later weeks as we continue to look at this passage together. But we learn from these two, our first parents, that humans do love to cover up their sin in pathetic ways. They love to cover up their sin with fig leaves all too quickly. What are the modern fig leaves that people use to hide their sin from others? Well, one of the first things that people love to hide their sin with is lies. It's very, very quick and easy to do for humans to quickly lie about their sin. When someone catches them doing something wrong, a lie just springs into action and you see it in children all too easily. They say, I didn't do it before you even know that something has been done. I didn't do it. They know that they have been caught. They feel the shame. They feel the nakedness and the vulnerability before a parent or a teacher or somebody else. And the instant, in that instant, they lie. They try to cover it up quickly with a lie. But lies are inadequate. People can usually see through them, unless you're a very good liar. And the more complex lies... Uh, the, the more complex lies are, the more lies you need to put on top of them to cover up your previous lies. And it's amazing how some people, they forget what the actual truth was because they've told so many lies, they've actually started to believe the lies and they've got so many different stories and they forget all the different stories and so eventually somebody actually sees through all the fabrication that they have been making with the lies in covering up their sin. So lies are inadequate. They're seen through all too quickly, just like these fig leaves were inadequate for Adam and Eve. What are other ways that people like to hide their sin? Well, they like to physically hide their sin. Not under leaves, fig leaves, very often I would say anymore, but under other objects. Stolen goods go under the bed, or you dig a hole in the backyard, you hide them somewhere. 
But that's not a very good way to hide your sin either. It's inadequate. A spring-cleaning mum comes and cleans under the bed for the first time in many months and finds whatever you've hidden under the bed. It's an inadequate way to hide your sin, to physically hide it. Some people try to hide their sin electronically. Um, They like to sin on the internet, but they use different electronic means to try and hide it, whether it be private browsing, uh, using incognito mode or private networks, but it's inadequate. You think that you can hide what you do on the internet, but government officials can see what you get up to. Edward Snowden, uh, the great whistleblower in the States, who's now been in an embassy for so long, hold up there, because he revealed that the government has backdoors to a lot of the big industries and they can see exactly what you're up to. And here in Australia, they have data retention laws. They can see what you get up, onto, up to on the internet. And Facebook employees may be watching everything that you do on Facebook, all the gossip that you do. You think it's hidden in some way because it's done on the internet, all that gossip you give. But someone can see it. It's not adequate. And hackers, they don't know about privacy laws. Well, they do, and they just don't care. There's been great hackings that have gone on where people thought they were able to hide things on the internet, and then it's all been revealed because hackers have released that data. The hacking of the Ashley Madison website was an example of that. This Ashley Madison website is about, uh, and the slogan for it, I think, is life is short, have an affair. It was to connect people to um, who wanted to have an adulterous relationship, and some hackers got into the database and revealed to the world everybody who had an account so that your sin of desiring to have an affair was released to the world for anybody to see. They don't care about privacy laws. Another example is the Panama Papers that were released. Um, so all, this, all these people who had invested offshore and put their money offshore so they would avoid tax, um, some hackers got hold of the, the data and they released it to the world so that you thought you'd been able to hide your tracks in avoiding tax and even tradesmen in Australia were listed as people who had been pumping money off, off, offshore so they could hide their tax. You think hiding things on the internet is going to indeed hide it. It's inadequate. It's just another fig leaf that people are trying to use, which is completely inadequate. Another way that people love to hide their sin is through good works. People love to hide their sin with lies. They like, love to hide it with physical things like hiding under the bed. They like to hide it electronically. But people love to think that if they are just a good person, a religious person, a highly moral person, nobody will believe that they have done that sin that they feel the shame over. And people will say that, oh, I couldn't believe that about that person. They're such an upstanding, good, moral man. I can't understand that that would be true. But there are some sins that it doesn't matter how many good works you've done. The public will see right through those good works and see that you are a shameful person. An example of this is Rolf Harris. Um, He's a celebrated hero of Australia. He was a a member of the Order of Australia and a member of the Order of the British Empire. He was in the ARIA Hall of Fame. He was awarded centenary medals. He had two honorary doctorates. Two honorary doctorates. This means he's Dr. Dr. Rolf Harris. And then he was convicted of 12 counts of indecent assault on four teenage victims. And all those honours are revoked. The title doctor was removed. 
He was taken out of a member of the Order of Australia. The medals were stripped. Plaques were taken down. Why? Because they saw through to his sin. Didn't matter how many good things he'd done in the music industry. It wasn't enough to make up for his sin. All of those efforts were simply fig leaves. They were totally inadequate in covering his sin. So all fig leaves are pathetic coverings. They degrade quickly and they cannot hide our sin indefinitely. So what is the solution to our nakedness and shame over sin? What is the thing that we should cover our sin with? Well, what we're supposed to do is cover our sin with Jesus Christ. He is the only true covering for our sin and shame. We need to admit that we are sinners and go to Christ, admit that we are naked in our sin in the eyes of God and go to Christ and ask for true covering of our sin. God hints at this in later in the chapter in verse 21. Turn with me over the page in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. We see the graciousness of God to Adam and Eve in verse 21. Adam and Eve had previously done the making of their garments. What do we see in verse 21? It says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. We see there that God clothed Adam and Eve. But this clothing is inadequate as well for their sin, for their shame. We find out that in the New Testament that it's only Jesus Christ that truly covers our bodies, covers our sin and our shame. And how does he do that? By his blood. If we trust in Jesus Christ, his blood is poured out upon us and covers us completely. And so we no longer have our sin put to our account. And so we no longer need to feel ashamed of our sin because it is taken away. It is removed as far as the east is from the west. God covers us with the blood of Jesus Christ. And then God gives us robes of righteousness the righteous works of Jesus Christ. All his days on earth, he lived a righteous, spotless life. And if we trust in him, he actually clothes us with those righteous acts so that when God looks at us, he no longer sees our sin that has been washed away and he sees actual righteousness has been put to us, put to our account. The unrighteous that we have committed, like Adam and Eve, is taken away. And Christ's righteousness is brought near and put upon us. That is the covering we need. Not fig leaves, not pathetic, inadequate fig leaves, lies, physically hiding something, hiding it electronically. We need the righteousness of Jesus Christ to cover our sins. See, the desire to cover your nakedness, it's a good thing. The nudist consciences, they think that they're going back to the beginning by flaunting naked bodies, their consciences have been seared. They don't know the shame and sin that they should have. And it's the same when we feel the shame of sin, that it's a good thing. God graciously gives us shame about our sin. And it's not to point us to cover it up with lies or cover it physically or cover it with other good works from our own life. It's meant to drive us to cover our sin our shame with Christ. Not look for coverings in the wrong places. So if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, 
Are you still trying to say you're better than you actually are? Are you still in denial about your sin and your shame? Are you still covering up your sin with lies to others and to yourself? Covering up your sin with good works when you know that your sin is so horrible that if someone saw it, no matter what good you've done, they would still think you're a horrible person. Stop the lies. Admit you're a sinner and no amount of fig leaves are going to cover up your sin. Shame that you feel when someone knows your sin. Let it drive you to the holy God. Recognize that the shame that you feel when you think of your best friend judging you or your spouse judging you or your mum or your dad judging you, that that's nothing in comparison to the shame of the holy God judging you. And let that shame drive you to him. When you think of the human body, God gives you pain as an alarm system that something is wrong. If you have a big gash on your arm, it's good that you feel pain because if you let it go on bleeding, you will die. But if you have a big gash on your arm, you don't slap a Band-Aid on it and say, she'll be right, mate. It's the same with the shame that you feel. Shame is God's alarm system that something is wrong with your soul and it is in mortal danger. And you don't slap a fig leaf on it and say, she'll be right, mate, because she won't be. Your soul is in mortal danger because of your sin. And that shame you feel is meant to drive you to the only covering that can mend the damage that is done to your soul. And that is Jesus Christ. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, you need to do it today. Have his blood clothe you. Have his robes of righteousness put to your account. Do it now. It happens by trusting in him. That's all you need to do. Trust that Jesus is the one that paid for your sins at the cross. If you do that, if you put your trust in him, if you ask God, please forgive me my sins through Jesus Christ, then you finally have a covering that suffices to remove your shame, and that is the blood of Christ and his righteousness put to you. So that's what we need to do when we feel the shame, when we feel the nakedness of our sin. But what else should we do? We should run to Christ, we should cover the shame, but what else should we do? Well, we also need to acknowledge our sin to those we've sinned against and ask for forgiveness. We see here that Adam and Eve, their sin has created discord between them. They're actually erecting barriers between them now of putting the fig leaves on. And the Bible tells us, James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We're meant to confess our sins to one another when we know that there's been a breach of trust between us, that we have sinned in some way against our brother or sister, then we're meant to confess our sin if we see that there is discord there. I'm not saying that you need to confess every sin that you have to every person around you. No, but if you know that there is something between you and somebody else, stop covering it up with lies and other, other methods. Confess it and ask for forgiveness. Too many people can't bring themselves to do this. They know that they have sinned against the person and they know that the other person knows that they've sinned. But instead of trying to get it out in the open and admit it, they keep pushing it down and causing more pain to people around them. I've seen this happen. I've seen people who 
know that they've done something wrong and they should confess it to others. And instead of doing that, they run away from people or they suppress it more in more and more lies. They cover it up rather than dealing with the sin and dealing with the broken relationships that are going on. We need to recognise that our sin really does hurt other people. And Adam and Eve should have confessed to one another that they had done the wrong thing so that they could move on. And hopefully when you do confess to other people, you can move on because they forgive you. You at least make that effort to confess your sin and ask for forgiveness. And if they grant that forgiveness, hopefully you can then move on. So we should cover our sin in Jesus Christ. When we feel the shame of our sin, we should cover it in Christ. We should also confess it if we know that there's been a breach between us and somebody else. What else should we do? Well, there's one third thing that I want to bring to your attention that you should do as a result of the shame that you feel over sin, and that is stop sinning. Stop the sin that you know about in your life. So you're not tempted to put a fig leaf on it. If you don't sin, then you don't have to cover it up in lies because there's nothing to lie about. We need to see sin for what it really is and stop it, not come up with new ways of trying to hide it. Sin is a relationship breaker between us and others and, most importantly, between us and God. It breaks the supporting beams between us. Like in a house, there are certain beams that are supporting ones, and if you knock those out then things collapse. We have to see sin for what it is. It doesn't unite humans. It divides us. As much as we might think at the time it's uniting us, the sin of gossip, it's a very nice one for when you're wanting to unite with someone. You share little bits of information about other people with that person and you think that you're bonding really well. You're having good conversation with someone. But what about the person that you're gossiping about? What's happening to the relationship with that person? as you're sharing all that nastiness about them. I still remember I went to a church camp that we were on, not with this church when I was younger, um, and there were some, some girls, they didn't like the boyfriend of another girl in the group, and they were having this little session about their boyfriend, and they were talking about how much they didn't like him and all the things that he had done and why does she even date him. They didn't realise that she was sitting in another part of the room behind a piece of furniture because you're in a strange environment and you're on camp. And she was listening to everything that they said. And she got up eventually and said, thanks, guys, and walked out. Their relationship with that girl wasn't very good after that. They may have bonded well in their little bit of gossip together in sharing how much they didn't like the boyfriend of the other girl. Gossip can rip churches apart. It can rip relationships apart within a church. We think that it bonds us together, but it actually breaks us apart, sin. And so we need to see sin for what it really is and stop it. Have the shame of sin drive us to stop sinning. Drive us to Christ for the sins that we have committed, but for the future sin, remember what it feels like to be a sinner and try to stop the sin that we want to commit in the future. I mean, it should be obvious that we should stop sinning. But sadly, I know it's too easy to to sin and then rely on fig fig leaves. To sin and then rely on the fig leaves. And why do I know this? I've seen it in the study of others. And I've seen it as I study myself. 
that you think, oh, I can sin and then I'll cover it up. And I've seen it in the scriptures. The Bible shows the love of mankind for fig leaves. David, when he commits an adulterous, uh, has an adulterous affair with Bathsheba, he tries his best to cover it up. And he probably would have gotten away with it except for Nathan the prophet. Achan, he takes some of that plunder from Jericho. And what does he do? He hides it in his tent in a hole in the ground, thinks he can get away with it. Until God reveals by lot that he's done something. That's humanity. Humanity loves to cover up their sin with fig leaves. And it should be obvious that we should stop sinning, but we just much rather sin and then cover it with a fig leaf. You can see this in uh, a newspaper article that I was reading recently about a council in Western Australia, and it's trialling see-through garbage bins. So your auto bin, it'll actually be see-through. And the idea is that people will be shamed about having so much garbage because the idea is that we create too much garbage and it's going into landfill and so we should reduce the amount of garbage that we're producing. And so a council member says, uh, that's on this council, that's trialling the see-through garbage bins, he says, if you have lots of waste in your bin, we'd love people to have a conversation about reducing it because, of course, your neighbours get to see how much waste you've got in your bin and they might just say over the fence... I see you're producing a lot of garbage. And so you feel shamed and you produce less. But an environmental university lecturer has commented about the idea that what could end up happening is that when you finish a bottle of wine and put it in the clear bin, people might say, hmm, look at them, how much do they drink? And so it doesn't become about how much garbage do they produce, you actually get to see a little window into people's lives, what they're doing inside the home as you see the packaging that's there in their bin. And so personally, when I look at that article, I thought straight away, I reckon the sale of black garbage bags, large black garbage bags, will go up in those council districts. Or maybe they'll sell more shovels at the local hardware store as people try to do their own landfill in the backyard. Why is that? Because people love to hide their trash. They love to hide their garbage. And it's the same with sin. We love to hide our sin. We love to hide our trash. The fear of exposure of our sin should drive us to stop sinning, but instead it drives us to come up with better ways of hiding it. And that should not be. So here's a question for you this morning. Are you currently currently hiding a habitual sin behind a fig leaf? Is there a sin in your life that you're regularly committing and you're regularly covering it up? You're hiding it from your spouse, from your friends, from your children, from your parents, from your boss, maybe from your church family. Does it make you sick to consider your sin being exposed? Would you feel naked if people knew that about you, that you were regularly engaged in that sin? Would you hate people to see that sin more than people seeing what you put in your rubbish bin when you wheel it out to the curb? Has that sickness and shame led you to work hard at stitching fig leaves together? 
that you actually work very well each day trying to cover up that sin. Do you really think no one will find out about it, despite all your stitching together, lies and leaves and hiding it in whatever way you can? Do you think nobody will find out about it? God knows about it, and he has ways of bringing it out. Do you really think no one will find out that you can carry on in that sin and no one will be the wiser? Don't you have a suspicion that your best efforts are simply decaying fig leaves? Those fig leaves that Adam and Eve sewed together that eventually shrivel. They needed those skins to be put on them because fig leaves are not a very good clothing. Do you think that your fig leaves on your sin will last indefinitely? Don't you realise that the bin that you're putting your garbage in is actually see-through to God and could easily be see-through to others? Stop letting the shame of exposure of sin lead you to cover up your sin. Instead, let that shame drive you to stop the sin. Go to Christ. Ask for forgiveness of your sin and stop it. See yourself for what you really are, a whitewashed tomb. Jesus speaks about some people who, who have this great veneer. They look really good, but inside their deadness and sin. The Pharisees were like that. They looked great on the outside, but they were just whitewashed tombs, graves that looked gleamingly white, but inside was deadness. See yourself for what you really are, a whitewashed tomb. Come clean with God and come clean with others that you've sinned against if there is something hindering your relationship because of that sin. And then ask the Spirit of God for help in using your shame to stop the sin rather than hide it in garbage bags and under fig leaves. Ask him to use that shame that he gives you, that gracious God that you have that gives you shame over sin, that doesn't leave you to, to enjoy your sin and feel good about it all the time. As some people around the world, their consciences have been seared and they just think that they've got no problem. They don't feel shame when they should. What is that a sign of? God is not being gracious to them and giving them the shame. If you're feeling shame about your sin, God is gracious enough to grant you that shame. Use it to your advantage. Ask the Spirit to use shame in your life so that you stop the sin, that you know harms your relationships with other people in this world, but particularly harms your relationship with God. Stop the sin before you do further damage to that relationship with your Saviour. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we confess that we have often tried hard to cover up our sin with fig leaves, with pathetic coverings, with lies, to cover it physically, to cover it even with our own good works. Lord, we thank you for granting us shame over sin. You're such a gracious God in doing that for us in revealing how awful our sin actually is. And so, Lord, we ask that you would once more cover our sin with the blood of Jesus Christ, cover our sin with the robes of his righteousness, and, Lord, help us to stop regular habitual sin, stop covering it up, stop it all together, so that we're not tempted to cover it any longer. But we know that we are becoming more like Jesus Christ and becoming more holy 
as your spirit works in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.